Hey, I'm Brett. I'm the lead minister. Welcome to our guests. Welcome into my home. I'm stuck at home just like everybody else. And that's the big debate that's going on right now, isn't it? Is it really legal to force us to stay at home or should we be free to go where we want to go and do what we want to do? And so there are all these laws and protests against the laws here in Michigan, but in other parts of the country as well, uh, questioning whether we should be free to practice the golden rule. Because I think we all still want to do unto others as we would have them do unto us, but can we be trusted not to harm others by you know, practicing hand washing and social distancing. And I want you to know, that's not a new debate at all. That's been going on forever about how much should our behavior be regulated, forced by outward laws? Or should we be free to do what we think is right and best? And I think that all begins way back in our families, doesn't it? Here it is Mother's Day and we're recognizing God gives us parents. Why? To raise us to do what's right. They try to teach us what's best because we don't do it naturally. So sometimes parents got to lay down the law and kids chafe under those rules. But the rules serve a purpose. They help us to grow up and mature so that we don't even need those rules. We just act right because we want to because it's the right thing to do. And isn't that really what childishness is about, is just doing whatever you want without regard for anybody else? Which is why we probably need a Mother's Day where kids are just like forced to take a day out and not think about themselves, but to show love to the person who probably loves them more than anybody else, right? Mom, maybe, maybe dad too. But that's a hard holiday for a lot of folks because they don't have that kind of loving, gracious Mom, so here we are, we're in this series on key principles, these essentials for Christian living. We're going to talk about how to experience love and grace, because that's the essence of Christianity. It's not a religion of rules and, and laws, but of love and grace. And so if you're not a Christian, I guess you're off the hook today, but I would still say, first of all, it's great to have you with us, and I hope you'll keep coming back, because we want to expose you to these principles that are going to help you understand God better and I think help you to live a better life if you give them a chance. So I'm going to talk first about grace and in the second half of the message Mark is going to pick up with, with love and you really need to hear this talk today because it is such a liberating teaching that's going to be able to help you live that better life. Live the way God intended. It, it frees you up to, to and changes you from the inside so that you can treat people in a better way, live that better life. So look, everybody is trying to live a better life in some way. Everybody lives by some kind of a law, whether it's God's law or some religion's laws or some or their own law. They can be a law unto themselves. Everybody tries to regulate their behavior by certain rules they've, they've set down that they acknowledge it can be, you know, everybody draws a line to say this is right and this is wrong. All religions are based on that too. Like if you do these right things, then you're going to not only have a better life, you're going to qualify for a better afterlife. And the problem with all those laws is they don't work. We don't even live up to our own standards, let alone God's standards. And we know that God has, has given us His laws, revealed them to Moses and the Israelites, most notably through the Ten Commandments. And, and 
We can't even keep one commandment, let alone ten. That goes back to the garden, right? Adam and Eve were just given one law, and they broke it. And you and I, we have broken all of God's laws, ten plus, either by deed or by desire. So living by law doesn't work. Have you kept all the Ten Commandments? You might think, well, yeah, I think so, kind of. I mean, I'm, I'm a pretty good person. I haven't murdered anybody. I haven't robbed any banks. So, yeah. What were, what, what were those Ten Commandments again? Oh, yeah. Uh, you shall not lie. Have you ever told a lie? Well, then you're a liar and a lawbreaker. God said, don't do that. Have you ever dishonored your parents? God said you should. So, if you, if you didn't, then you're a lawbreaker. Have you ever taken something that didn't belong to you? Anything that wasn't rightfully yours? Then you're a thief and a lawbreaker. Have you ever taken someone that didn't belong to you? Well, then you're an adulterer. And we know Jesus comes along and he raises the bar even higher on those standards and points out they were never just about forcing our behavior through outward regulations, but about helping us to be holy as God is holy. It's a heart thing. And so if you lust for somebody, he said, then you're an adulterate heart. You're not holy. And if, if you hate somebody, then you're a murderer at heart. And if you have anything in your life more important than God, then you are an idolater. So you're probably not quite the saint that you think you are. But you know, you're in the same boat as everybody else. You're in the same boat with the Apostle Paul. He thought of himself as one of the great law keepers of all time. But his own self-righteous legalism failed him. Because when he met Jesus, he realized he had fallen way short of the standards and he really needed God's forgiveness. So he, he turned to Jesus to receive grace instead of continuing on by law. And each one of us can receive that grace through trusting in Jesus, repenting of those sins, being baptized into Christ, because that's when we die to ourselves and we're, we're buried with him in the, the water of inner cleansing and raised up with him as he rose from the tomb, a new person with a changed heart, and that's all something we receive as a gift. That's what Paul says in Ephesians 2.8. This is such a classic core verse that every Christian ought to memorize this verse. In fact, right there at home, say it out loud with me. You ready? Here we go, Ephesians 2.8. For it is by grace you have been saved, through faith, this not from yourselves, it is the gift of God. So live in that grace. Live in the freedom of grace. Because now you've got a new heart and you've got God's Spirit within you. You're no longer trying to force it and try harder and harder through your own willpower and self-determination and good works, trying to be obedient. No, God's going to change you. He's going to give you a supernatural power that you didn't have before. You're now free to live for God, not only because you should, but because you want to. Why? Because of all He's done for you. He loves you so much. And so you love Him. You want to please Him. I'm no longer living under the fear of condemnation because His perfect love has cast out that fear of judgment. And I'm free to live for God. Even when I fall. And yes, even as a Christian, I will fail. But now I have forgiveness. And I don't have to carry that burden of guilt and live under that self-condemnation. I am forgiven. See, that law... Whatever form of law you followed before, God's laws, religious laws, your own law, uh, that law couldn't forgive you. God's laws were meant to lead you to Jesus, to show you how much you need Jesus. 
See, it's like a, a guardian or a teacher, you know, and they're just teaching you, here's the right thing to do. So follow this rule, do this, do that. And they're good laws, but it's very different from that loving parent that has done so much for you that I, it's no longer, I, gotta, I have to do this, I want to do this. I love him because he loves me. I, I want to be like him. Paul makes that comparison in Galatians 3. Verses 24 and 25, he says that law was our guardian, our teacher, until Christ came so that we might be justified by faith. And now that this faith has come, this new, better covenant, we're no longer under a guardian. We're no longer under the law of Moses and all those Old Testament commands. Because Jesus died and nailed all of those to the cross, he fulfilled them and gave us a new and better covenant doesn't mean we don't have laws to live by any longer. We still have laws to obey, but they're now in the New Testament, and we don't obey them in order to get right with God. We obey them because we are right with God, and that's a big difference, a different motivation. And so you read through the New Testament, and guess what? You find nine of the Ten Commandments are still there. I mean, the Old Testament is still true. It's God's Word. It's valuable, but we're not under that. We're under the New the only one that's not repeated out of the 10 is the one about honoring the Sabbath day because that was a special thing between God and Israel. So as you're looking through all the stuff in the New Testament about what I should do, you, you might be questioning, well, do I have to? Do I have to do this? Do I have to do that? Wrong question. Takes me back to my own church's high school youth group. Whenever us kids would say, do we have to? Our youth minister would say, you get to. And I love that because... Uh, it's not about, I have to do the stuff in the New Testament. I want to do it. I, I want to become like Jesus. I get to do this because my whole goal in life now is to become like Jesus. So bring it on. My, my goal is not to see how far away from God I can get and still make it into heaven. My, my goal is not to see how much I can get away with and still call myself a Christian. I get to be like Jesus and I want to treat people the way he treated me. If he can forgive me for all I've done, I can forgive other people. If he can serve others by washing the feet of the very men that were going to desert him and betray him, well, then I can serve others. And if he didn't take revenge when his back was being whipped and his face was being punched and his hands and feet were being nailed to a cross, then I'm not going to return evil for evil either. So by grace, by grace, I'm able to treat others like he has treated me. And that's our big idea. Treat people like Jesus has treated us. That's grace. What's up, everybody? Thanks, Brett, for letting us know that we get to treat others like Jesus. You know what else we get to do? Skydive. That's right. Go ahead, comment right now if you've ever been skydiving before. I've been skydiving. My, my wife actually bought me a ticket. Now, I don't know if she bought me a ticket because she loved me or because she was done with me at the time, but she bought me a ticket. I've always wanted to go. And so a few years ago, I, I jumped out of a plane. My goodness, I was so excited. I was prepared. Got up in the plane, and I don't know how many thousands of feet we were up, but then they opened the door. And until that moment, dude, I was excited. But as soon as they opened the door and I look out, I am afraid. 
like just afraid. My heart begins to like stop. Of course, I don't get to choose. We jump. Like I don't have an option. We jump. And now I'm falling, free falling to the earth, thousands of feet below me. And it was awesome. I'm not going to lie. I was having a ball. But at the same time, I was scared. Like I was screaming out of excitement and fear. And the only thing that was, you know, technically stopping me from falling to my death was this parachute and the only way that I was attached to this parachute were these straps and so I'm grabbing onto those straps in the beginning because I am so scared but screaming out of excitement it was it was interesting moms dads out there in parenting <laughs> kind of like free falling I mean this kid pops out and they don't care how prepared you are for it for the next 18 to 80 years it's free falling kids students the first day at elementary or, or middle school or, my goodness, your entire career in middle school, high school, college, it's like free-falling, no matter how prepared you were. 20-somethings, you're on your own now, it's exciting, you make your own decisions, but, but that means you got to get a job, and you got to pay bills, and it's like a free-fall. And whenever you free-fall, what do you do? you you got to grab on to something. So today, what are you grabbing on to? What are you grabbing on to? that you're trusting in to hold you. Brett did a great job of saying, listen, if you hold on to the law, to you know, doing the right thing, being a right person, being a good person, then you're gonna bring a lot of pain and despair into your life. Those straps aren't strong enough to hold you. Grace changes everything and now we have freedom, but is that a freedom that we can do whatever we wanna do? Nope, not exactly. It, it, there's actually a new kind of law, and it's the law of love. We're supposed to live in the law of love. And I know that may seem com contradictory or like weird or made up. Like, how can you have a law of love? Because love, you can't make a law. It's an emotion. It's a, it's a feeling. You can't help who you love. You just love, right? Well, I think maybe our definition of love is a little off sometimes, especially from God's love. So Jesus says this in John 14, Verse 15, it says, If you love me, keep my commands. If you love me, keep my commands. Wait a minute, is that, does that mean we're, we're going back to law and rules and commands? Nope. Listen to what he says. If you love me, keep my commands. He didn't say keep my commands to prove that you love me. He didn't say keep my commands because. He said, if you love me, keep my commands. But I, I'll be honest with you. I've treated people like Jesus without love before. Oh, yeah, yeah, I didn't say anything mean to them in the moment, although I was thinking it, and I believed it, but I didn't say it out loud, at least not to them, maybe a few other people, or I did something nice for them or made some time to talk to them, but I didn't care about them at all. I was dreading it. Sometimes... I've even loved my wife and my kids like that. Like I just held my tongue or I didn't say that just so I could have the upper hand. I can let them talk themselves into the grave. Oh, look at you. Sometimes I just, I just had better things that I wanted to do and I don't want to, I don't, I don't care about this right now. Let's just get through this. It, you know what I'm talking about. Is that love? You, you've done that with your that horrible boss at work. You know, you, you, you don't love her. You, you just want you don't want to get fired. You, you do it with your parents and your teachers sometimes. You be all nice to their face, but that's not how you talk to them 
to your friends. Is that what Jesus was talking about? No, that's not love. I mean, listen, I could easily hang my hat on my good deeds. I mean, look at me. Like if somebody was watching from the outside, wow, that he was really nice. I didn't cuss at them. I didn't raise my voice at them. I didn't yell at them. But did you see how they treated me? I can hang my hat on those good deeds. But that's not love. That's selfishly motivated. All of those examples of me in those moments, that wasn't love. It definitely wasn't love of God. It was just love of myself. I wanted something, and I was selfishly motivated. And we begin to twist Jesus' words into, if I do this, if I do the right thing, I'll get what I want. I'll love you. Oh, I'll do this for you, and then you'll love me back. Right? It, it's, it, it, it's I want something. It's selfishly motivated. And when we're free-falling, oh my goodness, when we are free-falling, we grab onto something. We always do. In the middle of an argument, what do you do? I, I grab onto the one thing that I know is going to hurt you the most. I grab onto the past and I know it's going to make you look bad or feel bad. I grab on what other people have said about you that I know is a lie, but I know it's going to hurt you. When I'm in a relationship, I grab onto because I want you, I want this person, I want to date them, I want them so badly. I'll grab onto anything so that I can get that person because I need them, I want them, I have to have this relationship. Um, when bad things happen in our lives, like just sad things, bad things, we get sick or bad things happen like this pandemic, we sometimes grab onto bad habits like alcohol or anger, bitterness, and, and so because we're free falling. And then in all of these situations, we grab onto stuff, but then we recognize really quickly that that stuff doesn't hold us up. That stuff doesn't work. That stuff fails us. And we plummet to the earth and we get hurt. The truth is, sometimes we act like we, we want a rule-giving God. You know, we say we don't, but we act like we do. Like, God, just, God, would you please just tell me the 10 things that I have to do so I can just do it and get it over with? Like you do with your mom sometimes. Kids like, mom, listen, let's just, mom, I want you to say yes for me to go to my friend's house. So can you please just tell me what you want me to do so you'll say yes to that? That's truly what you're doing sometimes. Just tell me what I have to do to get that job so I can get it. Just, just tell me what I need to do. so Because I, I want to have sex. I want to have forgiveness. I want to have a clear conscience. I want that. So please just tell me, God, what I have to do so I'll get it. That's not love. Listen to Jesus explain this carefully. He was asked by a leader of the law, a really smart guy, a devout Jew, which means he was a religious guy. He asked this question, which is the greatest commandment, teacher? This guy's selfishly motivated. Jesus knows that, but he gives us the answer that we all need. He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. That's number one and the greatest. And then the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. And then notice what he says. All the prophets, all the law hang on these two commands. So yes, love is a command. And all the prophets, all the rules, everything hang on to love. Think If you hang your love on your acts, like in other words... I loved you, so, I mean, I, I was nice to you, so that means I love you. I, lo I was nice to you, so you be nice back to me. That's a system. That's a law uh, of rule. That's a, the law. That's rule. That's law, I mean. But if, if I hang my axe on love, that's the law of love. I am motivated because of love. I love you, and because I love you, 
I'm motivated. How do we live our lives and make decisions um, out of the motivation of love? We have to start asking this question all the time. What does love require? What does love require of me? All the moms, dads, kids, students, parents, college people, like everybody. What does love require of us in this season, in this argument? What does love require of me in this relationship? What does love require? Maybe your marriage is broken right now or isn't working because you're not hanging on to love, but you're hanging on to every wrong word or action the other person does. Maybe your relationship isn't working or with your parents or your family because you're you're literally hanging on to everything you don't like about them not hanging on to love maybe your life is a little empty right now because you're you're full of anxiety and anxious about everything because you're hanging on to every single thing that everybody does or says or everything that you do and you say but you're not hanging on to love and so you begin to say things well i can't love there is no love because the other person isn't doing this isn't doing that, isn't reciprocating, isn't acting like this. And let me tell you something, if love is determined by whether or not people do what I want, what you want, you're gonna be very disappointed. Hear that, that's important. If love is determined by whether or not other people do what you want, you're gonna be disappointed. That's not love, that's not love. Jesus is saying if you excel in love, you, you, you will excel in the acts of doing love. If you excel in loving me, Jesus, God, then you will excel, do great in being like Jesus, being like him in your everyday life. Starts with love. If you start with the acts, if you just try to excel and do what I've asked you to do, then most likely you're going to miss out on love. And you see, love is the motivation for it. It's the cause for all of it. Love is what starts it. Love is not defined by obedience, but love produces it. Listen to that. Love is not defined by obedience, but love produces it. That's powerful. When you remember, yes, it's Mother's Day. So yes, go make a card, make mom a meal. Better yet, go buy her a meal from her favorite restaurant. Yeah, I know moms always say like, oh, when you make it, it's so much better. But I will say this, that Cindy talks a whole lot more about Texas Roadhouse than she does about what I make. I'm just saying. So kids, yes, do something. Matter of fact, we even have a Mother's Day bingo card on our Facebook, Instagram you can use. Um, just to have a fun way to demonstrate your love for your mom. Moms don't want you to do nice things for them. All the moms out there are gasping and you're starting to get angry in your mind, I know, and you're, yeah, spoken like a true man. Now listen, moms want to be loved. Moms, you want to be loved. You don't want just, you don't want your kids, your husband, just to do nice things for you once a year or when they want something, although you better, guys and kids. They want you to love them. Love them like they're trying, that they want to love you unconditionally, sacrificially, radically, like even when it scares them, even when they get nothing in return. And guess what? When you, when you love someone like that, when you just love them, you do things for them. You, you treat them like you want to be treated because you just do, because you love them. That's exactly what God did. Romans 5.8, God demonstrates his love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He, 
He demonstrated, not defined his love. Notice that. He demonstrated his love for us over and over and over and over again, ultimately in giving us his very own son to die a brutal death. Why? Because Jesus loved his Father, God. Not because he had to prove something or wanted to prove something to you or me. He did it because he loved his Father, God. And because he loved his Father, God, he did what love required. He died for us. We have been set free because of grace to live the law of love. And you know what? That When I look at Jesus, what it reminds me, what it makes me realize is this. Love ain't easy. Love ain't fair. Love costs. It's not always rainbows and fairy tales. And I don't get to conform God's love to me. I conform to God's love. Jesus himself conformed his will to his Father because he loved him. So if you want to act out or apply this big idea today, treat people like Jesus treats us, which I hope you do because when you do that, your life will become better, your marriage will be better, your relationships will be better, your career, everything will be better when we act more like, when we treat others like Jesus treats us. If you want that, then first you got to grab on to love and you got to start asking this question over and over, what does love require? But maybe you don't know what love requires. Have you ever said something like this or thought something like this? Oh, yeah, I'm in the name of Jesus. I'm going to let that person have it. Or I'm going to punch that dude right in the face in the name of love because he needs it. <laughs> like, you know, just because we say in the name of love or in the name of Jesus doesn't make me right, right? But we do that with God's love sometimes. Like people will say, well, it's out of love that I'm doing this, or I love you. Or, but sometimes if I'm choosing to be disobedient to God, then it's not love. Don't let the world, media, music, musicians, politicians, videos, movies, your family, your friends define love for you. Don't let your past, your struggles, your desires, or your lusts define love for you. Let God define love for you. He says this, John, the Apostle John informs us in 1 John 4, 19, we love because he first loved us. Listen, we wouldn't even know what love is or what it looks like if we were not made in the image of a creator who loves us and demonstrated that love. So instead of me thinking, well, I know what love is, so God, you should love like me, I need to start thinking, no, God is love, and I have to learn to love like you, like him. Let everything that we do and we say hang on that love. That love can hold you up. That love can save your marriage, save your relationship, and save your soul. That love is powerful. So in the middle of that argument, as soon as you hear the bad news, as soon as you begin to like that guy or that girl, when things in your family or in your relationships or in your life start to go wrong or bad, don't go into attack mode or self-preservation mode. Grab on to love, God's love. Grab on to God's love. That's exactly what he did. He did what love required of him. He loved us. He died for us. Are you willing to do that? Love is hard. It's scary. It's like a free fall because sometimes when we think in this moment with this person, if I choose love, I'm not going to get what I want. They're going to win. They're going to use it against me. They're going to laugh at me. They're going to make fun of at school, maybe. I'm not going to get that guy, get that girl. I won't get that job. And yes, maybe. That may happen. But you have love. 
and God's love. And that's all you need. All those other things will fail you. They're not strong enough to hold you in the free fall of life for eternity. But God's love will never fail you. God's love will never fail you. You can. So will you choose? Will you choose to trust God enough to love Him today? Yes, God knows what you did last night. He knows what you did last year. And He still chooses to love, to extend this offer of forgiveness to you right now. All the Christians out there watching, if you've said yes to Jesus, been baptized, listen, He knows what you did last night and what you did last year. He knows all those bitter, angry posts on social media. You've been putting up their judgmental things. You've been saying things, thoughts in your head about your boss, about your friends, about your family. He knows everything, and yet He still chooses love to extend grace and mercy. All we have to do is repent and hang our lives on His love. If you're ready to say yes to Jesus, to say yes to that kind of love, to say yes to trust Him, then let us know right now. Text us 734-304-7248 or email us at next at southpointccc.com. I know that you have to do something, or if you're on our live platform, click raise your hand right now. Let us know so we can reach out to you. We can have a conversation with you. We can help you take that next step, even be baptized, and experience this love. Ask this question right now. What does love require? What does love require? And right now, it requires that you trust Him, that you love Him. And when you begin to experience His love, then you're going to begin to act more like Him, to know what that's like. And then your marriage is going to begin to look more like it. Your relationships are going to look more like it. And I promise you, that is the win that you're looking for. That is what you're looking to grab onto that can hold you in this free fall of life.